Well, here we are, week 10, and uh, we've been doing 10 words to, to live by, and ex- uh, a study of the gospel, and we've seen that we're loved, I'm not going to go through all these today, but that we're forgiven, that we're saved, that we, we're in union, that we've been accepted, that we're holy, that uh, we, we are dead, right? That's good news to find out you're dead, go listen to that, that we are new, and that we are righteous. And it's interesting that today's word, the last word, falls on Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ telling the world that he is king, right? And they killed that king. But he raised from the dead, showing that he is king of kings and lord of lords. He, 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 he has the power he has, of heaven. He has the keys of heaven. Everything in all existence now belongs to him and he is seated at the right hand of God so what is today's word what is the good news that this word proclaims that the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaims royal royal now if the first nine words did not convince you how badly the church needs its mind renewed. This word surely will. Do you believe that you're royal? Now, I'm not talking about Sunday morning at Kerrison, D.C. believing. But I'm talking that my life, that I am different that I have been made different, that I, that I am royalty. Do you believe that? Well, let's look at some scriptures, um, and, and let's just trust, let's just pull on the Holy Spirit um, that He will cause faith to come when it comes to this identity that we have in Christ, the good news that you are royal. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Man. Look at what Peter declared over you. He said that we are a chosen people. That means that you are chosen by God. The very fact that you're sitting here is because God chose you. A royal priesthood a holy nation. And he goes on to say, we are God's special people. How many people have you heard say, well, I'm nobody special? That's wrong to say that. That's pride to say that. See, we think that that's being humble. But if God says you're special, it's pride to say that you're not. We submit to God, right? You are special. So let me ask if you believe that you are chosen, holy, and royal. Well, hopefully, two out of those three, through the Word of God, you've been convinced that you are. I hope you believe that you are chosen, that you've been accepted by God, right? I hope that you believe that you're holy, that that you have been put in to the Holy One. The one that is whole within himself. That there is nothing missing. Nothing broken. 
everything. He is complete in and of Himself. And because you are one spirit with Him, you have been made holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And you have been placed into Him. You have been baptized. You have been submerged. You have been engrafted. You have been welded. You have been joined. That's amazing. The problem is, is that unfortunately for many of the many people, that these these are just words that they read in their Bible. They're just words that they read in their Bible, and, and when I jokingly say, "Well, yet we say Amen on at Karis on Sunday morning," but is it affecting how you live Monday through Saturday? They don't see themselves as favored. Which is what chosen means. Nor do they consider themselves as being holy. And as for royal, that is not a word that we used to define ourselves, would we? How often would you say, Well, who who are you? Well, I'm I'm royalty. See how much our minds had to be renewed? So who's wrong? Who's wrong? Is, is Holy Spirit and, and Peter wrong? Or are our feelings and our experiences wrong? Peter said that we are royal. And not royal in, you know, well, my... I'm third cousin was married to so and so and and so I have royalty. You have been joined, you have been married to King Jesus. You are royal, you are royal indeed. And this has to be a, a thing that just permeates our understanding and our identity and how we see ourselves in the, in this world. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, it says, and, ha- and has made us kings and priests to His God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever. Amen. It's talking about Jesus here. Jesus has made us kings and priests to His God and Father. See, at one time you were a slave to the dominion of darkness. You were a slave, but Jesus made you a king and priest. I mean, that's quite a shift. So I can understand why it's so hard for our minds to, to grasp this understanding, right? We're used to the, being a slave. We're used to being in bondage. We're used to being the, the tail and not the head. Below and not above. Right? But this is a shift. Jesus did it in an instant, in a moment. He totally, radically transformed who you are. You, you young people here today, you, don't have to, you do not have to be who the world tells you that you are. God has called you to greatness. God has called you to represent a kingdom. He sees you as a king. He sees you as queens in this earth, representatives of 
the kingdom of heaven and of God and what can be done through His mighty power. Most people are more comfortable with accepting the idea that we are priests. Most people believe that every Christian is called to be a minister, right? That's what a priest is, is a minister. That we're all called to minister in the world. And we're comfortable with that title. We're comfortable with that understanding. But the same Bible that says that we are ministers also says that we're kings and queens. We are not just merely a kingdom of priests. We are king priests or priest kings, whatever you want to choose. We are called to serve in a priestly priestly capacity. We are called to minister and serve in our priestly role. But we are also called to rule in our kingly capacity. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 10, and it says, And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. <laughs> Where are we reigning? On the earth. See, as you know, Revelation has three parts. It has things that have already happened, it has things that are happening, and it has things that are yet to happen, right? But if you're one of those people that believe that everything's in Revelation that isn't in the future, you'll, you'll question this. You'll say, yeah, we're not real priests until Jesus comes back. We're not real kings. We're not going to rule on the earth until Jesus comes back. And the problem is, is if we're not called, to, if we're not called to reign on the earth now, then we're also not called to minister on the earth now. Because we're a kingdom of kings and priests. He has made us kings and He has made us priests. You are not one or the other. You're both. See, heaven regards you as a king because your father is a king. Your born again blood pumps royal blue. Amen. As you can tell, there, there, there is training that needs to take place, right? There, there, there is training and understanding of how we are to rule. How, how, do we, how, how, what, how do we operate in our kingdom role? And what you, what you have to understand is that royalty, understanding your royalty has to, under, has to do with understanding your authority. That's what that means. Royalty is another word for your authority. What authority have you been given in the earth? So we have to learn how to operate in that. And we, have, and we, also, we also know that the full manifestation, the full manifestation of what that really looks like really won't come into play until Jesus truly comes back. But nonetheless, we are called to walk in that now. We're, we're called to, to have faith in that now. We are not called to live like commoners or slaves. We are king's kids. 
We have a God-given mandate to rule and reign here and now. And this is nothing new. It was God's plan from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule. See, this, was, this, isn't, this shouldn't shock you. This was God's plan from the beginning. You were born to rule. You were created to rule. Man was created to rule. He lost his rule. We were born again, and we were born to rule. You are called to be the head and not the tail. You're called to be above and not beneath. When God told Adam to fill the earth and subdue it, he was not telling our forefather to trash the planet. He was saying, this is your home. You're in charge. You take care of it. It's amazing how the church has just given, given up that responsibility. This is our home. Listen. If you go to be with the Lord before, before He returns, you will go to heaven. But guess what? That's not your home. You're coming back here. This is our home. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we live forever and ever in heaven. Earth is our dwelling place. Earth is our home. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Right? When God told Adam that this was his, that he was to reign, that he was to rule, he was saying, this is yours. I've given it to you. And Adam was given a king's authority over all the earth and the animals. But as you know, his reign was short-lived. Two chapters later, he gave that authority to a usurper disguised as one of the animals that he was supposed to have authority over, that he was supposed to rule. So does that mean that God's plans changed? Did he just scrap that and say, no, well, I guess that's not going to work. No, God's plans does not, do not change. And just as Adam was called to rule in the name of God, we are called to rule in the name of Jesus, His Son. Every believer has a royal calling to reveal Christ, the King, and the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. God told Abraham He would be a father of many nations, and kings would come from Him. He's, God said that kings will come from you. And we, because we read the book carnally, we think that they're talking about the kings of Israel. Well, there was natural kings that came from Abraham, right? But we understand through the gospel and through the lens of Jesus that all of that was pointing to Jesus and what was going to happen through the Spirit, right? You are Abraham's offspring, because you are children of faith, right? And you are meant to be kings. God told Abraham he, that he was going to be the father of many nations. We're that nation. We are those kings. 
Kingship is about authority and power. Adam was given authority, but he lost it to Satan. At Jesus' resurrection, the last Adam took back what the devil stole. In Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. It happened at his resurrection. (laughs) Don't get mad at me. Telling you the truth. Jesus did not have authority on earth. He did not have all authority on earth until his resurrection, until he defeated the devil, until he took it righteously. Jesus is saying the war has been fought. The devil has been defeated, amen, right? The problem is is that many of of the devil's workers are still among us. They're still with us here. And and as a believer, our role is to represent the victor, to represent Jesus and his victory in those areas that remain under the influence of darkness. We're not supposed to stand there and say, look at how dark it is out there. Look at our government. Look how, how corrupt they are. Look at our school system. Look how corrupt they, look at the entertainment industry. Look how corrupt that is. Look at our, the family, how it's being degraded and, and broken down. Oh, look at that's t- look how evil that is. Look at the church. <laughs> look at the mess that the church is in. They're not biblical, they're not scriptural. And all we do is whine and grope and complain and complain. When we have been given authority, we have been given rulership. We are to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God by ruling over sickness, demonic spirits, and every work of the enemy. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, And raised us together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Look at how the Good News translation puts this. Same scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. In our union with Christ, he raised us up with him to rule with him in the heavenly world. Hallelujah. So by understanding this, this answers some very sobering questions that we we have. You know, questions that we have asked ourselves. Why like why do good things, why do bad why do bad things happen to good people? This should give us answers. Why do people get sick and die prematurely? Why do innocent people suffer? See, theology, theologians, theologians blame sin. The Jobinites, you know who they are, those that always say, well, what about Job? What about Job? They followed Job instead of Jesus. We're Christians. We're not Jobanites, right? They blame a sovereign God. But what does the Bible say? In Psalms 115, verse 16, it says, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth He has given to the children of men. 
The planet and everything in it is our responsibility. It was given to us, and we were told to rule it. Why do bad things happen? It's because the kings called to rule in God's name allow it to happen. It was one of us that gave the planet over to Satan. It was Jesus acting as one of us that took it back. When you think about all the crimes throughout history committed against this world, they have our fingerprints all over it. When you examine world history and all of the atrocities and terrible things that have happened on our planet, human fingerprints are all over it. In any court case, it would be case closed. Guilty. See, we have more to say about what goes on than we give ourselves credit for. And we know we do. Especially in our own lives. And the sphere of influence that's around us. You have something to say what happens in your family. You have something to say in your place of employment. You have something to say in your business. You have something to say about the atmosphere, about the light, about the ex- what, what kingdom is being manifest where you are put. You have something to say about your, your children and your grandchildren. Your royalty. You have authority. It's been given to you. Use it. The problem is, is not that we lack authority. The problem is, is that we don't walk in authority. See, again, this is not something that we need to get from God. God has given it to us through the gospel, through, through Jesus Christ. You don't need more authority. Just like you don't need more faith. You need to walk in what you have already been given. It's a huge difference. If you believe that you have authority, if you believe that you're royalty and that, and, and, and that you are righteous because of what Jesus Christ has done, you can have conversations with God in your prayer life. You, you can ask Him for wisdom over situations. But you are wasting your time asking Him to do something in your life or in the life of those around you that He has given you the authority and the power to proclaim over them yourself. Amen. So what's our excuses? It could be, I'm too young. No, it's not. (laughs) Or it could be, I'm too old. Or it could be that I don't have enough training. Or I, or I need more anointing. Um, perhaps we're, we're just sitting. Perhaps we're just sitting back in our cushioned pews, waiting for Jesus to return. I think that's the biggest thing. No matter our excuse, the results are the same. 
When the church neglects its kingdom, kingdom role, people suffer. Adam neglected his authority and put all humanity on death row. Bad things happen when kings do not stop them. It's easy to stand and curse the dark, to complain about the direction that our world is going in. It's easy to play the blame game, but the blame game solves nothing. So here's the question, and here's the question that we all must answer. We must answer for ourselves. It's where will you be? Where will I be? What will I be found doing as culture takes a nosedive? We are the kings who, who will rule. Where are the kings that will rule in wisdom and justice? Where are the kings and queens that are going to speak righteously and speak truth? See, unbelief thrives in a culture of victimhood. And you are no victim. But faith brings victory that overcomes the world. Passive faith stays on the sidelines and doesn't lift a finger to help. Active faith raises its hand. It volunteers. It speaks out. It defends. It seeks to administer justice, administer justice in the name of our righteous King. In Romans chapter 5, verse 17, it says, For by one man's offense death reigned through that one. At one time in your life, death reigned over you. The fear of death reigned over you. Your whole life was based on the fear of death. But much more. Much more. Those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. See, only those that receive from God's abundant provision of grace get to reign in life. You have a, you have a right, you have been made righteous by the King to reign in His authority. One thing that can stop us from receiving is the lie that says that we have to earn righteousness. We talked about this last week. Before God will bless us. We have to get cleaned up, straightened up, dried up before we can receive. This is a grace-killing doctrine of demons. It's nothing, it's no different than telling sick people that they have to get well before they go to the doctor. You understand that? Telling people that they have to become righteous before they can go to the righteous king that makes them righteous is totally backwards. But that's what religion tells people. No, you go to the king. You go to the great physician. And he makes you righteous. He heals you. Every blessing there is, whether health, deliverance, provision, or salvation comes to us by grace and by grace alone. To think that we must work for a blessing of God is tr like trying to buy that which is not for sale. 
right? Religion and self-made Christians will say that they that I'm proclaiming cheap grace. How dare I give away the treasures of heaven without demanding people turn from sin, get baptized, confess, and do all the things they're supposed supposedly they're supposed to do that describes the cost, the cost of being a disciple of Jesus. You ever hear people talk like that? Cheap grace? There is no such thing as cheap grace. There's no such thing as cheap grace. It's not cheap. It's free. (laughs) It's free. If it's not free, it's not grace. Or better yet, grace is priceless. You can't afford it. Even if you spend all eternity trying to earn it, you cannot afford the grace of God. There's nothing you can do to earn the Lord's favor and acceptance. And, and listen, there's a lot of Christians that live right here. They live right here. They, they look at their life and they think, I've done this, 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 this. Why does it not seem to work? Why does it seem like it's not working? Listen to this. If you have ever wondered why God is not pleased with your sacrificing, could it be, could it be that he's not pleased with your sacrifice because you are not satisfied with his sacrifice? In Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, it says, Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Kings get their kicks by releasing the power of God in in the situations that defy human management. They get excited about impossible situations. It's not that they oppose the means of men. It's just that flesh-based Solutions are inferior and terribly slow. We talked about that today. How God can do something in a moment. When we connect faith with the grace that He has already provided, in a moment, it's done. It happened when you were born again. Kings find natural limits uh, restrictive and limiting. They would, watch, they would rather co-labor with the King of Heaven. They would rather co-labor with Jesus and bring glory to His name by doing impossible things. Total dependence on the Lord is, the, is a king's greatest strength. Total dependence on Jesus is the King and Queen of Heaven's greatest strength. It's the secret to their success. The kings of this world might not look much like much. Look around. Look around. We might not look like much, but we're doing amazing things. 
We're routinely altering the course of history of countless individuals, even if it's your own children. We're altering the history of families, of businesses, of cities. God's kings are discipling nations in the earth. Do you understand that? When you go out of your way to represent Jesus in someone's life, you are representing the kingdom of God. You show up in righteousness. You show up in authority. You show up in power. And you can transform someone's life and destiny forever. See, when we think of kings, we think of someone just sitting on a throne somewhere in some fancy castle. No, a good king gets involved with the citizens. A good king gets involved with the people. A good king has a heart for the people. And he brings, makes their lives better. And that's what the church is called to do. Grace comes through faith. And faith must be acted upon if it's to be of any benefit at all. Grace has no benefit in some, until somebody reacts to it in faith. You understand that? The easiest way to express faith is to speak. See, I, I can't get into all this. I can't get into how you use your authority. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother series. But w- w- the first step is to speak. What are you saying? What is in your mouth? The easy, that's, how, that's the easiest way to express faith is how you speak. Words are powerful. Words can build up or they can tear down. They can guide or they can misdirect. They can clarify or they can confuse. What are you speaking over yourself? What are you speaking to those around you? What are you speaking to those that come with, with in desperate situations? What is your word over them? What, as a king in this, or queen in this earth, what, are you, what do you proclaim? You understand that's how kings rule. Kings rule by proclaiming. A proclamation. This is how it will be. It is so. Truthfully, you start talking that way, and what you'll notice is less people will come up to you with their problems. No, we won't go there. Okay. (laughs) The right word spoken at the right time can change the world. Or at least it can change someone's world. Right? Kings exercise dominion. And how they exercise dominion, as I said, is through speaking. Ecclesiastes 8.4 says, Where the word of the king is, there is power. When God's kings speak God's words, God backs it up with His power. When we reveal Jesus, our words are supernaturally empowered to bring salvation to the lost and freedom to the captives. You can drive out demons. You can heal the sick. 
just as Jesus did. As a matter of fact, Jesus promised that these are the exact things that would happen to those that believe on him. Amen. See, Christianity, a lot of people vision Christianity as a checker game. You know how checkers works, right? You try to strategically sneak across the board so you can get to the other side so you can be crowned as a king. The truth of the matter is, is that you are crowned king before you even started. We're not waiting to get to heaven to, earn, to, to, to be crowned. You have been crowned in the crowned one, Jesus Christ. You have been crowned already. You are royal. The gospel of the kingdom is the joyful announcement that a great king sits on the throne and desires to see God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Jesus told us to pray that. He told us that his desire is to see heaven on earth and the church is trying to get earth to heaven. <laughs> no, God wants heaven to come down. In heaven there is no sickness, there's no sorrow there, or, or poverty. And what is true there is His plan for here. Right? If we don't agree with this, then we have no right even praying the Lord's Prayer. And there's people that parrot the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. The Gospel is the glorious announcement that the reign of the King is right here within the reach of faith. The kingdom of God is at hand. I think I've heard someone say that before. You are a royal king. You are a royal queen in the kingdom of heaven, in God's kingdom. That's good news. As a matter of fact, in one word you could say that's the gospel. Amen? Amen. That's good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that we are, we are kings and queens of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. We thank you that through grace and through righteousness, you have equipped us to reign in life. Heavenly Father, we ask that what Holy Spirit would convict us of these truths, that we would understand the role that we have in this planet, that we would start using our kingdom authority by speaking over our families, speaking over our children, speaking over our jobs, speaking over our lives. Heavenly Father, that we would act as a king that can proclaim over people's lives, that when they come with situations that no man can can fix, we can say that's no problem for Jesus. You've been dealing with that for how long? God can take care of that in a second. That we can proclaim 
the good news of the gospel. But not only proclaim it, that we can manifest it. That we can walk in it. That the world would see the glory of God, the goodness of God, manifest in His children, in His church. May we be moved by compassion. May we be moved by love rather than the fear of man. We receive this, Holy Spirit. We receive the truth of God. We receive the Word of God. And we expect it to grow into a hundredfold return in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karis.org.